Hey everybody, here is my six-year-old son, George. Hey George, what's your favorite movie of 2023? My favorite movie of 2023 is Super Mario Brothers. And why do you like Super Mario Brothers? Uh, I'm not going to talk about that. On today's episode of I Need to See That, our top movies of 2023. Can I tell you how my my two-year-old daughter poisoned me two days ago? Please. My two-year-old daughter uh, likes to play with tea bags. Like, we have all these different boxes of teas, and she likes to play with all these tea bags. And she was um, moving them between boxes. Cut to two nights ago where I'm like, oh, my throat kind of hurts. I'm going to make tea, and I make my winter mint tea. And I drink the whole thing, and afterwards I'm like, that kind of tastes like licorice. I don't think winter mint should taste like licorice. And I go and look at the tea bag, and it's uh, it was replaced with uh, senna tea, which is, if you don't know, senna tea is poopy diarrhea tea. So my daughter put poopy diarrhea tea <laughs> in the box of my mint tea and poisoned me. She's already funnier than you are. I know, oh, honestly, she's, so she's a legend. Anyway, this is I Need to See That, podcast about movies. I'm Eli. I'm Caroline. I'm Ethan. This is my favorite time of year to talk about movies. Because I love, I I am so addicted to reading people's top ten lists, and, and, and obviously I'm addicted to awards. What about what about you two? I do too, because obviously all the good movies come out this time of year. And I think that especially with internet culture there's a lot of i know we've been texting some top 10 lists there's a lot of weird zags in people's top 10 lists and it's really annoying (laughs) just pick the best 10 movies how okay so i've i've made top 10 lists since i think 2004 it's it's something i love doing it it gamifies going to movies for me like it makes it so interesting throughout the year to I I have my little um, notes app on my iPhone. I go see a movie. I write down the movie. I write down the letter grade, and then around in starting in November, I start to organize it. And every year, I have the same question, which is how, what does what does one through ten mean? How do how am I ranking these top tens? Is it is it movies I want to see again? Is it movies that showed me something I've never seen before? Is it, Are they movies that I want to recommend to people? I don't know what criteria to use every time I make a top 10. What 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 do you two use? It's a great question. Mine, okay, I'll say for mine this year, I did a mix of like what I think are just standout incredible movies, but also I think stuff that made me feel or like reflect something more or connected to some bigger part of me. So that maybe, um, you know, we'll see in a little bit if that means my list is a little bit controversial. I'm excited to hear from the top 10 list. I think that I know that I make my top 10 lists differently, Eli, than you, because mine is ongoing and yours is written in pen when the year is over. These are the movies you saw this year. This is my top 10 list. It doesn't change. And the way that I think about it is it can change over time. I I haven't seen all of the movies that have come out this year, so that list will keep going. And you know, sometimes you think about longevity and in, in 15 years, which movie am I do I think I'm going to like more? Does that have any bearing? So I, I agree with you. What what is is this the best movie? Is this my favorite movie? Is this the best movie I saw in theaters? I, I for me, um, I saw three of my top ten on streaming and seven in theaters. And I wonder if I had seen any of those seven that I saw in theaters on mm. streaming, if I would feel differently. Like you know, Oppenheimer is on my list. Would it be lower if I saw it on streaming? I don't know, um, but I think that that is a new element to these top 10 lists. Yeah. I, um, the reason I asked is a lot of film critics are saying Oppenheimer is going to win best picture. They're saying it's the best picture of the year. It's going to win best picture. And a lot of these film critics do not have Oppenheimer in their top five. 
And what I'm wondering is, is there an element of cool? Is it just not cool to put Oppenheimer as your number one? And looking, every single year I try to see every single movie I can. Every single year I try to see every movie I can. And then these top ten lists come out and I recognize maybe three of them. Me, who is like deeply researching every movie that comes out. There are movies I've literally never heard of. So my question is, are these film critics and and these people creating top ten lists, are they just trying for the cool factor? The pitchfork review of, here's a movie I saw at a screening yeah. once that you will never see. Is that movie really better than Oppenheimer? Probably not, but there's a cool factor. It's like in college. I don't think I've ever told this story publicly before. In college, me and my friends uh, made up a band. They were called the Orange Bananas. And we would go to house parties and be like, oh, man, have you heard that new Orange Bananas album? And then we'd be like, oh, it's not as good as their old stuff. And inevitably, every party, at least one person would be like, oh, I love the Orange Bananas. And in our head, we were like, no, we made up that band. But there's that cool factor of like, here's a band you've never heard of. Um, I'm wondering if that's what's happening with a lot of these top 10 lists. I, or or is it critics saying, I know that there are going to be more eyeballs on what I write now and that people are going to pay attention to what I'm doing now. So I'm going to take this opportunity to introduce you to six movies that you might not have heard of this year and encourage you to go see those movies. Wow. High roaded. I was just high roaded. That's a way less sociopathic view of <laughs> film criticism. I mean, yeah, because if you look at, because I think the one in particular we all sort of had a knee-jerk reaction to is Richard Roper's list we were looking at yesterday, where the list was like, it was Oppenheimer, Killers of the Flower, it was just all, like, Past Lives was not on the list. It felt so very, like, he'd only seen the mainstream movies, um, and it felt like not reflective, I think, of actually what this year of cinema was, which I think we've all sort of discussed, like, I, this is the most excited I've been about a year of movies, I think, in years um because i think everything has been most everything has been a banger um because these are all the movies people were writing during the pandemic and it was really exciting to see what came out of that uh on screen and it was amazing and i like agree with ethan i'm curious to see like i would love to i wish like the critics could say like did they see it on screen or was it a streamer because i think it does make a huge difference uh because that's why i made sure i know okay, how many minutes in am I going to mention that I'm in LA, uh, that I'd made sure to see everything on screen if I could. Because I know when I watch things at home, I'm going to stop. I'm going to be on IMDb. Like, I'm not going to have the same experience as when I'm in a theater, my phone is off, and I'm fully entranced in the movie. Every year, there's there's those 10 movies that end up on everyone's top 10 list, and it's just the order that changes. This year, every single top 10 list I read has different movies. I haven't, I haven't read a single top 10 list that is the same as another top 10 list, and that is very unique. And looking at my list, I argue that my numbers 20 through 11 are are a better top 10 list than previous years. It's, think, it's a fascinating year. I think that that's also because the mainstream summer movies were really, really good this year. I have a number of them on my list. Every year is going to have six or seven good artsy movies that come out at the end of the year but there are some really good summer blockbuster movies we already mentioned Oppenheimer that again probably deserve to be on people's top 15 top 20s for sure yeah look if Tom Cruise is making a movie it's going to be in my top 20 so <laughs> we're going to get into our top 10 lists very shortly um, later on in the episode we're also going to have Ethan's reluctant review where we make Ethan watch a movie that there's no way he would ever watch on his own. And this week, we made him watch Father Stu Reborn. Ethan, just just real quick preview. How did that go? Well, I have 96 notes. And now the best movies of Toy Toy 3. Good job, dude. You nailed it. A dollar? You want a dollar? Yeah. So let's do our top ten. Uh, Caroline, do you want to kick us off? Sure. Um, my number ten is Barbie. Doesn't seem to matter. 
And Barbie, I think um, she was a huge cultural moment, I think, for a lot of us. I've It was so fun to be in a theater for that. I think the excitement around Barbie was amazing. And I think we're seeing female-directed, female-written, heavily female-focused film. And just, it was Barbie. We had a great time. My number 10 is also Barbie. So now I will share my Barbie thoughts. Uh I agree with Caroline. This was the most fun movie to see in theaters this year for all the reasons that we all know. Uh, I think that Ryan Gosling has delivered the funniest movie performance in back-to-back decades so far. Barbie for this decade and the nice guys for the previous decade. I think that he is possibly our finest comic actor. That's... um, Props to that handsome guy for also being funny. There's another X factor to Barbie, which I'm pretty sure anyone who's listening to this podcast has seen Barbie. Yeah. It's streaming now on HBO Max as well. Mm-hmm. Or just Max. They don't sponsor us. But Max, if you want to sponsor us, you can sponsor us. HBO Plus actually does sponsor us. HBO <laughs> Max is in negotiations, but Max does not sponsor us. And I think that's really yeah. important. To, to distinguish between. That's right. Yeah. Cinemax sponsors us, though. Yeah. Cool. So, that's confusing. <laughs> <laughs> My number 10 is Maestro. We mm. talked a bit about Maestro last week. I'm not going to lie. It was... It was really hard to make a top 10 this year, and Maestro almost missed out. It was between Maestro and May-December for my number 10 spot, and Mm. I gave the edge to Maestro because of that orchestra scene and because of a scene that haunts me. Um, Click the the fast-forward button if you don't want any spoilers, but the the cancer scene um, where Carrie Mulligan finds out she has cancer in the doctor's office... uh, it sticks with me. I love May December as well, but May December is my number eleven. Maestro is my number ten. I think the other thing about those two scenes, Eli, is they are back to back. You have the biggest, grandest scene of the year movie movie scene in that orchestra scene, and then it hard cuts to a tiny little doctor's office, and it is the 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 back to backness of that is really powerful. Perfect. Caroline, what's your number nine? Um, my number nine is American Fiction. Um, I loved this screenplay. Um, it is the first screenplay by Cord Jefferson, who also wrote my favorite episode of Watchmen, uh, which was he wrote the episode of the origin story of Hooded Justice, Hood Justice, um, and also worked on Succession. Um, so these are two things that make for a Caroline Nash automatic top ten. Uh, and it was just such, I think, I'm trying to remember what else I had seen that week, but it had been like a lot of like emotional, I think, Oscar season slogs. And to see this, that was just, I laughed so much. It had some of my favorite jokes of the year. Um, and you could hear it in the audience as well. I did actually also see it because it was um, AMC, I think, is trying this thing once or twice a month where it's an unseen, unseen. So you show up at the movie and you don't know what movie it's going to be until you get there. Um, I may have looked on Reddit to make sure it was American fiction because I wasn't, I think the other option was a horror movie and that's not for me. Um, but it was so great. I loved Jeffrey Wright. I loved the entire ensemble was great. Um, and it was just, it was, I loved it. I loved it so much. Yeah. If anybody listening to this can get Ethan or I screeners of American fiction, I'm going to take that again because I said screeners weird. Don't take it again. If anybody... Say it, say it the way you want anybody, to say it. If anybody... Eli, say the word screeners the way you want to say it. Yeah. You be you. Ethan, what's your number nine? My number nine is uh, Mission Impossible 7, Dead Reckoning Part 1. Why Let's do we go to movies go. if it's not for this movie? Uh, I love this movie series. It's the best-running movie series. Uh, Fast and the Furious can eat its own shit. This series rules. 
Tom Cruise ruled. Haley Atwell was amazing. I don't Ugh. remember her character's name or any distinguishable traits about her, but it didn't matter because she was great. And there are, you know, in a series full of incredible scenes, uh, just having, you know, I, I thought the, the airport scene was just good spy shit, right? Just a whole bunch of yeah. people kind of walking places, but like grabbing whatever stupid item they needed and, and pretending like you know, double crossing and triple crossing and handcuffing. So good. The train sequence in the end was, was so exciting. It was like a video game in the best way. And that Rome chase scene was amazing and uh, make a million more of these. And this movie wins the award for Joe Biden takes AI seriously in 2023 award mm -hmm. because Joe Biden now thinks that AI is a real threat because not even Tom Cruise could defeat it in one movie. He needs two movies to defeat AI. And that's mm -hmm. important. And you know what's also important is that Tom Cruise is going to die making these movies and I thank him for his service. Hey, Ethan, any other year I would fight you so hard on that Fast and the Furious take. I think Fast and the Furious from five on were some of the best action movies in the world and I will die on this hill. However, Fast 10 came out this year and it's hot garbage. It's bad. So any other year I would be I would be I'd be jumping at the bit to to have the the Fast and the Furious versus Mission Impossible debate, but I simply cannot do it this year. Uh My number 9 is Fallen Leaves. Blockbusters are back, baby. It's so good. Explosions, fire. Um Fallen Leaves is one of the quietest <laughs> rom-coms uh romantic dramedies you'll ever see it's 90 minutes long i love a 90 minute long movie i saw it and i liked it and then throughout the rest of the year the colors they used the still shot images the tone of the movie just stuck with me so much that it, it slowly crept its way up i think originally i put a number 15 or something on my top 10 and it just it just crept its way up and all of those images and all of those performances and, and the way every time they turn on the radio there there's mm -hmm. inevitably war uh, news about the war. It is such a good movie. It's so good. It um also I don't know if you've all realized, I feel like twenty twenty three has been the year of the dog and I'm gonna come back and talk about that more, but the dog and Fallen Leaves was great. What's your number eight, Caroline? Um, Zone of Interest. Uh, Zone of Interest was maybe the most haunting movie-going experience I've had this year, where uh, to be at this screening that I was at, where it felt like no one in the theater breathed for an hour and 45 minutes while this was happening. I don't know that I've had a movie-going experience quite like that ever, where just everything was so deeply unsettling, which is why I was so excited to see Under the Skin for the first time last week. This was my first Jonathan Glazer movie. Um, and it is haunting just how um, mundane the evil becomes and the way that Jonathan Glazer shot it. It was very interesting. He did a Q&A after the movie and to hear him talk about how they shot the movie and that they lived as a family for two to three weeks in this house they built um, just like the house uh, that was, was next to Auschwitz. Um, and they had 10 cameras set up in the house and then the entire crew was in a shipping container offsite um, editing everything. So it just, it, I, I don't know. It's, it's hard for me to talk about it without like giving too much of it away, but Sandra Fuller, again, giving one of the best performances of the year, also, another great dog. Apparently, it was her actual dog in the movie. Um, but it's haunting in a way that, like, I haven't stopped thinking about it in weeks. Um, and if you can see it, I can't recommend it enough. Um, yeah, it's, it's one of the most important movies I think I've seen this year. Zone of Interest, uh, playing in theaters in some select cities, not Ethan or my cities. So if anybody has a screener out there and can get it to Ethan and I, we'll redo our top 10 lists and re-record this whole episode um <laughs> ethan what's your number eight my number eight is may december uh i wanted to pull my skin off 
watching this movie. I felt so uncomfortable from the beginning to the end, but I liked it. Liked it a lot. Julianne Moore is good in everything she does. My number eight is Poor Things. Um, a lot has been written, a lot has been said about Poor Things. I think Poor Things is the most film school movie I've ever seen. We had a listener write in uh, named Ryan, and thank you, Ryan, for writing in. We had a listener write in a list of, there's just a list of great classic and, and new wave and a lot of French uh, artsy films, and I'm pretty sure every film Ryan sent us is referenced in Poor Things. Day one of film school, they talked about montage, and they talked about how you can play with soundscapes. And look, you can, you can have a chicken, and instead of the chicken balking, you can have the chicken bark. And then that's totally in Poor Things. As I'm watching Poor Things, I just keep getting these images of film school, freshman year film school, where they're showing us all these examples of films. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's, it's all there. It's all represented. It's a fascinating movie. It's a fascinating movie to watch next to Barbie. It's a fascinating movie to watch um, and, and compare to, to stories like Frankenstein. Obviously, it's kind of like a, not modern day, but a, a retelling of Frankenstein. And it's, it's great. It's a great movie. I, okay, so Poor Things is 27 on my list um, because I personally couldn't get over a major plot point of, I don't think it's necessarily spoiling it that she has a baby's brain in her head and the fact that the men are basically having this sex with a woman with a baby brain in her head and that uh, I've struggled to get past, I think was something that like sort precluded a lot for me. I thought visually stunning performances were great, but that part of the story the more I've sat with it, I, it's, I've not been able to get over that. It does show the disgusting pig nature of men and masculinity. Yeah. And that is why Mark Ruffalo is my pick for supporting actor. Because I think mm. the way he plays to that, you completely believe that he would do that to a woman with a baby brain. Yeah. Um, he, Mark Ruffalo. One of my favorite performers of all time. Uh, Caroline, what's your number seven? Okay, this one. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> okay. Um, this is when this is when she says Sound of Freedom. Okay. Ethan, she's is... about to say Sound of Freedom. No, a different S film. Uh, Saltburn, baby. I love this horny movie. I've seen it twice. I can't wait to see it more. Jacob Ellerty, it is your year, baby. I love this talking. Come on, my six foot five man, stomp on me. Uh, it was great. I love Rosamund Pike. I love, um, I don't think the screenplay is actually that great, but I've had a great time watching it twice. And I can't wait to watch it a third time soon. Is Rosamund Pike getting an Oscar nomination? <sighs> I I think she should always have one, but um, it would be fun. I would love that. She's been she's had a fun press cycle. Caroline got an Amy Dunn T-shirt, which rules. Yes, you did. I did. That does rule. Uh, Ethan, what's your number seven? My number seven is The Holdovers. Watched it mm-hmm. on Christmas. It's really great. Definitely uh, every Christmas watch, every Christmas season watch movie. Uh, not, not my top Alexander Payne though. They think that mm. sideways and election just have a stronger bite for me, but this mm-hmm. movie was very, very sweet. And, um, Giamatti saying penis cancer is an all time moment for me. I can tell by your faces that many of you are shocked at the outcome. I, on the other hand, am not because I have had the misfortune of teaching you this semester and even with my ocular limitations, I witness firsthand your glazed, uncomprehending expressions. What an amazing movie. And we'll talk, uh, trust me, we'll talk about it more in, in a little bit. My number seven, which I put on my top ten list very early and was worried it was going to get kicked off as I saw all of these amazing movies, but it stuck with me, is Blackberry. When The Social Network came out, so many movies came out after trying to be the social network and every movie got it so wrong and i think blackberry changes the structure that the social network sets up so perfectly 
that I almost like BlackBerry more than The Social Network, which is a crazy thing to say. BlackBerry is an incredible movie of uh, fools running a business and getting it so wrong. It is very well done. Get ready for a hostile takeover of this entire fucking league, okay? You fuck! You think I won't fucking do it? I'm from Waterloo! Where the vampires hang out! Caroline, what's your number six? Okay, my number six is a tie. Um, and I think it's remiss for me to have a top ten without these two women. Um, they're both very different, but the Eras Tour and the Renaissance film. Um, the Eras Tour, more than Barbie? Okay, whatever. I'm a Swifty, whatever. I, <laughs> cut me open, Folklore Evermore, and every other album comes out of my body. Um, that was maybe the best movie-going experience I've had. I saw it three times in theaters, and Renaissance has seen in theaters. Two very different concert films that uh, Taylor, it was a straight cut of the concert. And I think it was that was genius because she knew a million people couldn't get tickets to her concert and she made it accessible. And what I think ruled also about this was one, they got people back to movie theaters. Two, they made the deal directly with AMC. And it is the most, if you haven't read like the, how they got this deal made and they bypassed the studios, it is fascinating. Actually, I would like a movie made about that because it's incredible and the amount of money that the two of them made. Renaissance is a completely different film. You see more of the actual process behind Renaissance. And I mean, Beyonce is like our greatest working artist and Taylor is like our greatest pop star. Both can't exist like without the other. They're two very different films and um, our lives would be much worse if they weren't here. And I think these two women for making my life better this year. I went to the Eras tour in person. It was awesome. Did yeah. you get a, a bracelet? No, but I wore a t-shirt I... that said karma. Yeah, that's pretty cool. Yeah. These, my therapist made me these bracelets. <laughs> that's pretty cool too. Oh, yeah. Um, Ethan, what's your number six? My number six is John Wick 4. That movie is uh, exceptional. And the scenes at the steps are, it's got to be a top five action scene of all time. And I don't say that lightly. That scene was amazing. This movie was three hours. It felt like it was 90 minutes. More John Wick movies, please. It's in, the choreography is it's a musical. It's incredible, the way the way it's designed and shot. It's it blows my mind that it's three hours. I I've seen it twice and I never looked at the timing. It's, it's really three it's, hours. It's three hours long. It feels short. It just it's a movie that is so confident in what it is. It is so confident in its silliness, and it is. It takes itself the right amount of serious for what it is. I just, all of these movies are great, but this one was really exceptional for me. Mm. Have you seen Sisu? No, but I do um, love when Nazis are killed. So I am going to go see that movie at some point. Yeah, Sisu has a lot of similarities to John Wick, only less plot and more old man kill Nazi. And it's, uh, I mean, it's, it's right there for you. You sold me on Old Man Kill Nazi. My number six, my number six is The Boy and the Heron. It's Hayao Miyazaki. I'm always going to put a Hayao Miyazaki in my list, especially if it's potentially the last one, which we've been down this road before. This is an incredible movie, though. Uh, Absolute masterpiece. One that I left the theater scratching my head and then sat with for a while and then saw it again and said, absolutely, this is a masterpiece. What about the second time made you like it more because i saw it once it is not on my top 10 list it's i i liked it but i definitely left confused thinking about it so why the second time did it solidify something for you the second time i was able to shut off my brain because i knew where the story was going Mm. the first time i was trying to follow it like it's a normal movie and not a Hayao miyazaki movie where i'm like part a needs to lead to part b and there needs to be this plot point i was trying to follow 
you know, the, the screenwriting plot wheel that Dan Harmon so famously created. And you can't do that with this Miyazaki movie. You just have to shut off your brain, look at the artwork, look at the imagery, and then later understand the metaphors that are in play here. There is an, there is an old man trying to keep the world alive using Jenga pieces that are curved. And, and trying to balance things on a ball and saying, this is, how, this is how the world is. There's a lot to read into that plot point that I completely missed the first time because I was too busy saying, who's this old man? Why are there giant birds? Shut off your brain and see the movie. It's incredible. I saw it the first time uh, subtitled. The second time I saw it dubbed. Uh, and I didn't realize the role that Robert Pattinson was playing until I read the credits. And he is unreal. I think Robert Pattinson might be my favorite. He might be my favorite actor. I, I love that. You know what? I, honestly, I, I'm here for all the Twilight actors getting this uh, recognition in the 2020s. New movies on streaming this week. You have uh, The Holdovers on Peacock. That's a big one. You also have The Equalizer 3 coming out on Netflix. New movies in theaters. There aren't very many so go see iron claw go see color purple if you're lucky to be in a city that has the movies uh, american fiction or zone of interest go see those uh, or if you're just looking for a recommendation for a movie catch up on your documentaries there's still the michael j fox movie there's the little richard documentary there's american symphony uh, i just realized how many documentaries came out this year about celebrities that's interesting Anyway, catch up on those. Back to the show. I will say, also, I was going through my list. I was, I was starring my list. There were so many female-directed movies this year, and that ruled. Uh, I think I have at least two of my top five, or, or maybe four of my top ten are directed by women. And that is exciting, because that's been a conversation over the last few years, and it was very exciting to see so many female-directed movies in my top 30. Uh, Caroline, what's your number five? Speaking of female directed, Anatomy of a Fall, baby. It's incredible. It's one of our greatest, like, marriage films. Like, that, I, I um, God, I loved the courtroom scenes. And, and then this is our greatest dog performance. Here is my pitch. If Snoop is not nominated... For Best Supporting Actor, we are not, it's not an accurate category. The thing that the, this dog does in this film, it's insane. Uh, one of my friends told me they listened to a podcast where they talked about it. They trained him for a year to be able to do this specific scene in the movie. And the trauma that this dog went through, and I hope there's like the equivalent of dog therapy because Snoop went through it. And I loved this movie so much. It ruled. It was great. We'll talk about that again shortly, I'm sure. Ethan, what's your number five? My number five is uh, Across the Spider-Verse. I mm -hmm. am definitely on the I'm bored of superhero movies train. Guardians of the Galaxy 3 like barely counts as an honorable mention this year. Every other superhero movie I saw this year was actively a bad movie. But this is really something special, what they're doing uh, with these animated movies. It is so beautiful to look at. The story is meaningful. The stakes are real, and they're real from like a familial unit, not necessarily all the, the, the world-ending stuff, but for this kid and for his family. And it is just looking at art for, for two hours. It's, it is beautiful. I cannot wait to see this next one. Um, these are the the best superhero movies being made right now by by a long, long, long shot. Can you find the wolves in this picture? My number five is Killers of the Flower Moon. Uh, very long movie, but so long. it's it's an it's a, it's an expert shooting at an expert level. It's it's an incredible movie. Uh, and a lot's been written about it, but I want to talk about the ending. Spoiler alert, um, and fast forward if you need to. I called Ethan after I saw this movie, and I said Martin Scorsese porky-pigged it. 
And by that, I mean the movie ends with Martin Scorsese walking on stage, looking directly into the camera and saying, that is the end of our show. And that's the end. That's all, folks. That's the ending of this movie. That's the actual ending of this movie. And I told Ethan at the time, to me, it was kind of like if Spielberg ended Schindler's List by being the girl in the red coat and looking directly into the camera and being like, did you like my movie? That's what it felt like to me. And then I watched it again, and I was so sold, and I was like, I get it, this is perfect, this is excellent, this is cinema, but what a choice to have Scorsese walk on stage, look directly down the barrel of the camera and saying, that's the story. Woof. Loved it. Yeah. I, I don't, I think that you named the only other director working today that has the prestige to be able to possibly pull something like that off. Um but Martin Scorsese is probably the greatest director of all time. Um, and so he used, he used that power for good, I think. Uh, Caroline, what's your number four? Maestro Baby. Uh, Bradley Cooper, my new favorite director. Um, the pacing, incredible. The black and white to color transition. The Snoopy scene, the Snoopy fight scene is going to live in my brain for a very, very long time. Um, and just giving these performances with both Bradley and Carrie. And I, uh, it's just an, an incredible depiction of this like complicated love story. Um, and some of the wildest old age makeup I've ever seen. They made the nose sweat. You yeah. talk about the nose so much, they made the nose sweat. It was, yeah, the club scene was, is something to behold. <laughs> Spoiler. Ethan, Ethan, what's your number four? Number four is also Maestro. Uh, conductor movies are the new boxer movies. Wow. Yes. Hot takes. My number four is Anatomy of a Fall. We're going a little bit faster now because we've already talked about all of these movies. To me, best dog performance, best prosecutor performance, too. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. The prosecution. Oh, that guy is chewing the scenery. I loved it. Great movie. It was at one point my number one. It, it's, it's been that close between my top four. Um, Caroline, what's your number three? Color purple, baby. I sobbed for two hours and 20 minutes when Fantasia Barino looked at me in that eye, in the eyes and said, I'm beautiful. And she had the moment where she saw herself as beautiful. Done. I don't know how we choose between Daniel Brooks and Devine Joy Randolph, which I'll be talking about again in a minute. But um, I've never seen any iteration of the color purple before this. This was my first experience. And I... Loved it. I mean, it's everything that I love in a movie. I love women who are realizing they get their own agency and it's, um, and I loved all three performances were incredible. And it's, it's, it, and, and the casting of young Seeley to Fantasia is some of the best casting I've ever seen. Um, I have hot takes on color purple. I saw it two nights ago. Here's the thing. It's an award-winning book turned into an award-winning movie turned into a Tony Award-winning Broadway musical, turned into a Tony Award-winning revival of a Broadway musical. So why isn't it number one on my list? That's everything I love. The story's perfect. The acting is good. Daniel Brooks, amazing. Coleman Domingo, is there anybody who plays I hate you, I hate you, I hate you, I kind of like you, better than Coleman Domingo? I don't think the movie is directed well. I'm going to mm. say it. Mm. It lacked grandeur in a way. Like, it felt... Remember The Prom, the musical adaptation of the Broadway musical The Prom that went directly to Netflix? It kind of felt like it was filmed like that. It felt mm. like a Netflix movie to me. It just didn't mm-hmm. feel cinematic. Fantasia was good. I think all the acting was good. I'm not going to criticize the movie for being something it's not, but I, I did picture a world where it is Cynthia Erivo in that role. Because she played it on Broadway. Fantasia also played it on Broadway. But yeah. there is a moment where I was just like, oh, this movie would be so much different. I think, Cynthia Riva. but for me, Fantasia just like the soul of like how she gets to I'm here. And I, I again, Cynthia is incredible. One of our greatest singers, one of our greatest performers. But I think there is something that like Fantasia is able to tap into that vulnerability and just that downtroddenness of Seely of just letting everyone walk over her and her being the person that's like, I, I just don't, the way that she was able to tap into that soul 
I don't know, the transformation, I don't, it was incredible to watch. Maybe I'm a little biased because she is a North Carolina native, uh, but... Well, no, she's great. I will yeah. say she's great, and I've I've heard I'm here 80,000 times because it's the it's the song everyone auditions song. with. Yeah. It's 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 built into musical theater culture. And and the, the the version they got for the movie that Fantasia does is flawless. The movie makes a very specific choice to have actors look directly into the camera and sing directly to you. Mm-hmm. Sometimes I like this in a musical. It like a, a singing in the rain. Usually it's conveyed for a presentation or it's uh uh hey, this is campy. I'm I'm looking directly at you as an audience member because this is camp. Color Purple is not a campy movie. It's one of the most dramatic movies I've ever seen. So to have the actor look directly at me as an audience member took me out of the movie. I I that's my hot take on it. I it's a good movie. Mm-hmm. It made my top 50. Yeah. I just, I wanted more, and I can't quite grasp where it's missing, and I think it's in the direction. Here's mm-hmm. how I will end this conversation. Yes, no, answers only. Will the Wicked movies be good? You gotta give one. Yes. I mean, I'm going to love it. So, yes. I don't know why we need two. I'm going with yes, too. I think they're going to be great. Yeah. I can't wait to have this conversation in a year. Um, My number three is The Holdovers. Uh, I grew up in New England. I went to an old boys school. Uh, There's a scene where the priest says, uh, Merry Christmas, and to our Jewish friends, Happy Hanukkah, and everyone laughs. I lived that scene so many times. So mm-hmm. uh, this movie, th- there are certain movies that just speak to you and you relate to them and there's no way they're not going to be in your top favorite movies and mm-hmm. The Holdovers is incredible. And uh, to Ethan's point, Paul Giamatti's performance and his character and the twists and turns that character takes. People said that The Holdovers was cheesy. I don't think it's cheesy. I think the setup is quote unquote cheesy, but then they subvert expectations in certain ways and change the characters that seem like archetypes and they're not. Mm-hmm. Uh, I loved it. I loved everything about it. I want Paul Giamatti to win an Oscar. I don't think he's going to, but I'd love him to. Well, because he was he was like the curmudgeon who actually supported, you know, he didn't want the boys to go to war. He wanted the boys, like his his intentions for them to to follow the rules and get a good education was to actually keep them safe. And he wanted to have a more equitable education opportunities for people. Like it was a great subversion of a character. And it turns out he's not, he's not an intellect. He's not, he's not, he's very intelligent and he's studied in the books, but when it comes to living in the real world, there are, there's stuff from his past that are, that are revealed that are fascinating. I don't know. I loved it. Also, the spe- the specific specific fuck. Nope. Say it the way you want to, Eli. Say it the way say you it. want to. Speak from your just heart, Eli. Eli. Just say it, Eli. Just say it. Come on, Eli. What have I become? What have I become? You skipped me. You skipped my number three. How dare you? Wow. I didn't say anything. I was going. I did. I skip you. Yes. Mm-hmm. All this right. Is... What's your number right. three? The first time we've skipped Eli Ethan on the podcast. <laughs> Yep, sorry, yeah, Ethan. Geez. Ethan, what's your number three? A bit anti-Semitic, if you ask me. Uh, number three is, uh, speaking of Jews, is Oppenheimer. Uh, I just think that this movie is um, is an undeniable how good. This movie was amazing. Um, it's Nolan's best thing since The Dark Knight. And I don't know if I'll ever watch it again, but I really enjoyed watching it in theaters. And my number three is The Holdovers. Caroline, what's your number two? <laughs> the Holdovers, baby. Uh, so, Eli, it's funny. I didn't know that about you. So I lived, so my dad worked at an all-boys boarding school that he went to. So we lived on campus for four years, like from third to sixth grade. So I had a very specific reaction to this as well, um, of that culture. It's very specific. Um, but two things we've not talked about yet. Um, when I saw Carrie Preston roll up in the credits, I knew this was going to be a movie for me. I thought any other good wife heads are out here uh, listening to the podcast. Elspeth is one of the best 
characters on television ever. Uh, and I love Carrie Preston and it was such a like joy to see her, but Devine Joy Randolph is giving one of the greatest performances we are seeing this Oscar season. Um, I loved her in Only Murders in the Building, but this, to see the range of like grief that she shows to the like, she does drunk very well because that is so hard to see on camera and how she does drunk and the holdovers is amazing. Um, and I just keep thinking about her performance in the screen. Like, and, and also one of the greatest Icarus jokes I've ever heard from Giamatti. That was great. Great. The specificity. Fuck. What it, is the word right. I'm looking no, for? That's, that's the word. That's the yeah, word. Yeah, that's the word. That's the word you're looking for. Okay. The specificity. That's the <laughs> word? No, it's not the it's, word, but it's, it's your word. It's your it's word. your word. It's your word. In the words of Father Stu, it's your word. Everybody, I have strep. Uh, I'm on my loony medicine. To make Paul Giamatti a stinky teacher and then later explain why he's a stinky teacher, that, I, I don't know why I related. I, I've had so many stinky teachers that I love that that was a character choice is he's a stinky teacher. I don't know. It, mm. it, it stuck to me. That's That's what I was trying to say. Specific, specificity. No, God. Sing it. What's wrong with me? <laughs> Sing it. You'll never learn, <laughs> Eli. You'll never, you'll never know what this word is supposed to be yeah. because you found a new version of it that matters Ethan, to you. Ethan, I guess language is a gaping hole. Uh, Ethan, mm. what's your number two? My number two is past lives. Um, which I have noticed is not on either of your lists yet. So I, I imagine that we will be hearing more about it. Um, so I'll save all of the thoughts for, for when you, uh, when you get to number one, I'll, I'll save, I'll save it for that. If, if it is in fact on one of your lists. My number two is Oppenheimer. I rewatched it recently. Oppenheimer was number five. I rewatched it for a second time. It went down to number three. I rewatched it for a third time, and it went all the way to number two. And it and it spurred my conversation earlier of, is it cool to make Oppenheimer your number one, or is it just not cool to do that? I think it's Christopher Nolan's best movie. And that says a lot, because I like all of his movies except one, Tenet. Um, sorry, I was not in that the Tenet hive. That movie sucks. Um, I, it, real quick... Killian Murphy, which my wife listened to our first episode, and her she she had two pieces of feedback for us. Oh, I can't okay? wait. Okay, so she listens to the podcast, and I go, "How did you like the podcast?" She goes, "Ethan has a good podcast voice," and that's all he's she, that's all she said. That was the only thing she said for a while. And then, and I'm then honored. her second her second piece of feedback was, she she comes into my room and goes, "It's Killian, not Cillian." And I went, "Did I say Cillian?" And that was it. That was it. That's all she said. Mm-hmm. Um. He's playing Jewish, and no one gave him crap. Everyone's giving Bradley Cooper crap for playing Jewish. And uh, people gave Helen Mirren crap for playing Jewish this year. And there's there's Killian Murphy, extraordinarily Irish Catholic, mm-hmm. I, um, doing his thing. I have feedback for Christopher Nolan, and there's a reason why Oppenheimer's 21 on my list. Right, women, better. Yeah, that it's it's almost cliche at this point. Yeah. That he just doesn't know how to write women or direct women or... Mm-mm. Having said that, Emily Blunt and Florence Pugh might both get Oscar nominations. I don't know if they will. I, I know Florence Emily Blunt will. will. Yeah, Emily I think will. She will. Yeah, I, I don't see a world where she wins, but she'll get nominated. The movie's incredible. The more times I see it, the more times I really like the black and white courtroom stuff, which I was mixed on the first time I saw it. Robert Downey Jr. is probably going to win the Oscar, and I will not be upset about that. He is unreal in the movie. I also think Matt Damon's great in it. You also get, like, it's one of those movies that I'm sitting there like, oh, that guy, oh, that, oh, Josh Peck. Oh, my God, look, they got Josh Hartnett back in movies. It's just fun to watch, and that's why it goes by so fast. Oh, wait, I forgot Josh Hartnett was in it. Okay, that yeah, might Caroline, How could you have a top ten without a Josh Hartnett movie? And he's uh, good in it. I, he is good. When has he been he's bad? Really 
Also, Rami Malek with the best eye acting you will ever see. Oh, God. I can't stand when... him. You can't stand? I can't. I don't like Bohemian Rhapsody at all, but I actually really like Rami Malek as an actor. I just, I don't know. He gives me the ick big time, but I'm glad we got Josh Peck back on screen. That was exciting. The two Joshes were back. Caroline, before you get to number one, are there any honorable mentions you want to say? Yeah, um, I have several. Um, okay, Passages just narrowly missed my top ten. Um, I've not left a movie like this in a long time where I just hated the protagonist so much, but it was so well-acted and well-written. Um, I didn't know that we were supposed to see Ben Wishaw, Paddington, ever like that. I didn't ever need to see his butt so up close like that but um it does such a fascinating job of like talking about and like exploring that sort of relationship um the waitress pro shot and um are you there god it's me margaret i really loved um in a world there's a world where like if i could add a few more to the top wait are you there god it's me margaret really just did such an amazing job exploring like being at that age and Rachel McAdams as a hot mom, we love. She did an amazing job. And the Safdie brother, I can't remember which one is in it. He was great, also as a dad. Benny. I loved it. Benny. Also yeah. an Oppenheimer. Yeah. He was great. It was a delight. Um, I can't recommend it enough. And um, if there was a movie that shouldn't have been made this year, it was Napoleon. <laughs> What's your number one, Caroline? Um, I feel like I should save it because I think you and I are about to both talk about it. Uh, okay, cool. So, yeah, so maybe Ethan should go. Ethan, do you have any honorable mentions? Yeah, my two honorable mentions are Theater Camp, which was absolutely delightful and very funny if you were a theater kid, um, and a movie called Rye Lane, which was a really good rom-com uh, that was really stylized and really fun to watch, and those two leads were incredibly charming. Ethan, what is your number one? My number one, and this kind of goes back to Eli, your question about like what is number one? What is this list? And uh, I picked Killers of the Flower Moon for me. It, it, I read the book this year as well, like right before I saw the movie. And I don't know if I'm just getting caught up in the importance of it or the Scorsese-ness of it or the fact that I felt guilt for a month after I saw it. Uh, but I just feel like this is an incredibly important movie that that really might go on Scorsese's all-timer list. And um, you know, Leo is so, so good in this movie. And Lily Gladstone is right there with him. And it's, um, you know, a, as an American, it, this is a movie about being an American. And it, it's the most American movie. And that is... Um, yeah, I just, I felt like it was a really important movie by a really important director. That's another movie that has climbed up my rankings. Like I said, it was number five, but it started at number, I think, nine. Oh, that's such a good movie, and it, it sat with me. And I am team Brendan Fraser. I think he's giving the perfect <laughs> performance <laughs> online. I don't know. He's so good. He's, he's exactly what he needs to be in that movie. I don't know about that. <laughs> Um, I'm also okay, team uh, Jack White playing a uh, broadcaster at the Jack end. White, team Jason Isbell being in that movie. Yeah, team oh, he's Simpson great being in that movie. Let's go. Yeah, musicians love Martin Scorsese. Um, I'm going to for my honorable mentions. I'm just going to really quickly list my top twenty, if that's okay. Do it. Because, um, like I said, I think my twenty through eleven could be a top 10 list and probably is somebody's top 10 list. Number 20, I have Bo is Afraid. Number 19, I have Asteroid City. Number 18, I have Godzilla Minus One. Uh, if you haven't seen Godzilla Minus One, it does Hollywood blockbuster better than any Hollywood movie ever will. It's it's wild. Number 17, I have Passages. Caroline gives Passages a shout out. Number 16, I have How to Blow Up a Pipeline, which is a very small movie, but extremely well made number 15 i have spider-man across the spider-verse 14 i have barbie 13 i have showing up kelly reichardt's movie 
12, I have Are You There, God, It's Me, Margaret, and 11, I have May, December. That can be a top 10 list, right? Mm-hmm. Totally could be. That's how good this list. year was. Yeah. yeah. But my number one, which was my number one since the day I saw it, and it has not moved a muscle on my list, is Past Lives. Mine Caroline, well. what's your number one? Past yeah. Lives by Celine Song, written and directed. There's a word in Korean, inyon. It means providence or fate. Do you believe in that? That's just something Koreans say to seduce someone. I just watched it again last night. It's so good. I think that when when I saw it, sorry, it's my number two and I didn't talk about it either. Um, When I saw it, I saw Oppenheimer right around that same time and I was thinking about like, stakes and stakes in movies and you know the stakes of Oppenheimer are the world could end when they light off this 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 trinity test and oh like no movie could compete and and then I saw past lives and you know that scene at the bar and that walk to the uber those stakes are actually bigger than what was happening in Oppenheimer because to those three people it was everything like their worlds were were mm-hmm. someone's world was going to be destroyed in some way and and it the, the the smallness and the beauty of it paired with what again felt like world ending stakes for these three people was just it, it was amazing yeah it um i texted you after i saw it i texted ethan i was like ethan you have to see this movie yeah i think What's so interesting about this movie is that I think everyone I've talked to has had like some different like reaction relationship or something that they it's made them think about and uh, and just like how you relate to it and who you relate to in the movie. It is so stunning. It is just visually it's stunning. The acting is stunning. I, I've said from the beginning, this is my best original screenplay. Um, it is everything about it it feels like in celine song is a playwright and you can feel it in the way that the scenes are written and how intimate it is it did take me back to my years of skype uh and that was a jump scare that i didn't need um <laughs> if you studied abroad in college you were on skype and between 2007 2011. um but god they were masterful performances greta lee i'm really hoping i'm hoping like if in a, there's a world for me Greta Lee wins Best Actress. I can't stop thinking about that ending. I'm, uh, I saw with my friend Carrie Morrison. We sobbed at the end, but then the credits hit and started crying 12 times harder and kept like that for about an hour. I just, I can't stop thinking about this movie and it's my number one and I'm so glad it's getting the attention it needs to be getting. This brings me back to the top 10 conversation I've been having because on paper, with the scale, with the scope, is it a better movie than Oppenheimer? I'm not sure. Should it win Best Picture over Oppenheimer? I don't think so. But it's my Agreed. number one. It's such a small yeah. movie. Yeah. It has it warmed my heart. Every scene has stuck with me. And it mm-hmm. did something that I so rarely do in movies, which is it surprised me with its ending. It didn't mm-hmm. go Hollywood. Mm-hmm. It didn't go the Hollywood ending. It went a real life ending and it's the performances make it believable i don't need a movie to to recreate a nuclear bomb and show me crazy visuals and 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 do the thing that i think how many movies this year included black and white to show past time or a different universe a lot. So many a movies lot, this year played with black and white. Past Lives doesn't use any of these tricks at all. They it, it it's just a simple movie. <laughs> what a good movie. Past Lives, my number one, by a mile, honestly. It, it yeah. from the moment I saw it, I was in love with it. I know. I'm still thinking about it. I can't wait to watch it again. I can't wait for more people to keep seeing it and hearing what they think about it. Well, and it's it is first of all. Let's give some props to John McGarrow, who is great in literally every single movie that he is in. He is so good. He's good in the big short. He's good in TV shows. I see him in that guy. He plays that role. Showing up. Yes. He He shows up and showing up. He's great. Um, I also think in the grand tradition of like Hollywood's greatest romances, like 
lovers don't get together. Um, like people who you root for in a way, like they don't get together. Casablanca, she gets on the plane, you know, like it's, it's, it's a big Hollywood romance given in this very small, unique package. He somehow plays a believable, nice husband, which is really hard to do because husbands aren't supposed to be nice. Well, he could have been evil and he wasn't like the character was never evil. Well, that's our top movies of 2023. Do you agree with us? Do you disagree with us? Visit us at INeedToSeeThat.com or email us at INeedToSeeThatPod at gmail.com. Note the pod, INeedToSeeThatPod at gmail.com. Or comment on our Instagram or other social media platform. Hey, Caroline, what time is it? It's time for Ethan's Reluctant Review Corner. Music. Flash fireworks. Every week we make Ethan see a movie he does not want to see and would never see. This week's movie, Father Stu Reborn, as picked by Caroline. Ethan, how did that go? Uh, my overall review is this movie would be much better with swearing because you made me watch the non swearing version. I just wanted to hear some good old fashioned. Um, you know, people saying, saying fuck and cock and things like that. Uh, it's a very sincere movie, but it's not very meaningful. Um, and as always, I took uh, 96 notes. So I will ask you all to give me a number and I will tell you my note. Number one. Number one, this movie is on Netflix, a popular service people have access to, but it's not the clean version of this movie. I had to purchase Father Stu Reborn for four twenty nine on Amazon. I spent fucking money on this. Um, fifteen. I never miss Mark Wahlberg. Twenty five. <laughs> Mark Wahlberg. Mark Wahlberg needs a dog on TV. <laughs> There's a lot of moments where it's like, obviously there was a swear word here. <laughs> they replaced <laughs> it with like the dumbest <laughs> words. Um, 34. 34. Um, I'm watching this movie drinking coffee out of a Love Grows Here mug and that feels relevant. <laughs> <laughs> How many notes did you take again? I'm sorry. 96. <laughs> Okay, 95. 95. The mean priest visits him. <laughs> oh my god. There's a mean priest? There's a mean priest. Um, 69, because I feel like we have to. 69. Mark Wahlberg got a haircut. <laughs> I think I saw that in the trailer. Yeah. It's a Was that his transformation from criminal to priest? Was getting a haircut? Yeah, basically, yes. Wow. Is he our greatest director? No. No, he's not. <laughs> would I will you, say would... this movie actually becomes, like, horribly sad because uh, Mark Wahlberg gets, like, an ALS-type disease. Oh, God. Um, that's yeah, the twist? Like, that's, the, that's what happens in the end, and, like, he, it becomes all about, like, you know, God gives us suffering as a challenge. Um, oh, God. And it's, like, really, I know, it's really tough to... To, to watch it sometimes um and i didn't know until note um until note like 80 that this was based on a true story okay <laughs> um not to bring us down or anything um but note 96 is mel gibson is at aa which is hilarious <laughs> and that feels like the right note to end it on that's right. I Thank agree. you, Ethan. Thanks, Ethan. Uh, you can read all of Ethan's notes on our website. Um, next week, Ethan's reluctant review will be the 2004 movie Beyond the Sea, directed by Kevin Spacey, starring Kevin Spacey. <laughs> <laughs> starring Kevin Spacey <laughs> as Bobby Darren. <laughs> oh, my God. Uh, tune in. Uh, and that's our show. Thank you, everybody, for listening. Once again, go to I need to see that.com or 
email us, I just see Ethan frivolously typing away beyond the sea I, into his I'm phone. I'm so worried. Like, it is it is available on Amazon Prime, but do you think that the Prime people are going to be like, who is the first person to have watched this movie in the last five <laughs> years? Like, we need to keep an eye on this person. What is he doing? <laughs> I can't wait for uh, Amazon's algorithms to send you all this Kevin Spacey stuff after you watch this movie. I'm sure your NSA um, agent is already on alert and reading our phones. That's right. That's right. <laughs> well, visit us at I need to Email us at I need to see that pod at gmail.com or visit our social media on other platforms. Uh, join us next week. We're going to be doing a Golden Globe prediction show followed by a Golden Globe reaction show. Two shows next week. Yay! All right. See ya. Also, the spe- the specific specific. <laughs>